Hello, everyone, and welcome to the In Defense of Plants podcast, the official podcast of InDefenseofPlants.com. What's up? This is your host, Matt. Welcome to the show. How's everyone doing this week? I'm doing great because my friend and prescribed fire mentor, Jamie Ellis, is joining us again on the podcast. If you've been listening to In Defense of Plants for a very long time, you'll recognize Jamie from a very early episode about seed collection on a remnant prairie, which he mentions during this episode. But today, he's here to talk to us about a book that he has published alongside his colleague, Fred Delkeman, called A Backyard Prairie, The Hidden Beauty of Tall Grass and Wildflowers. It's all about creating a prairie from an agricultural field in someone's backyard. It's not necessarily a prescriptive book, but it details the trials, tribulations, and rewards of restoring native landscapes, especially when you get to spend time enjoying them in your own backyard. So I don't want to take any more time from this conversation. Let's just jump right into it. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Jamie Ellis. I hope you enjoy. All right, Jamie Ellis, welcome back to the podcast. It has been a really long time since we last heard from you. It's so great to have you back on. I'm really excited to talk to you today. But for everyone that hasn't listened to the entire back catalog of this podcast, how about we start off with an intro? Tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is you do. Hi, man. Thanks for having me on. My name is Jamie Ellis. I currently work as the Natural Areas Coordinator for the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. And that means I am responsible for management and maintenance. And um, and I coordinate access for, for teaching and research for about a thousand acres of property at about 10 sites for, for the university. That is mostly forested. There is some, some you know, some grassland and prairie managed areas. And uh, it's been set aside really for teaching and research within the university community and as a resource for you know, for other researchers and instructors, mostly in the biological, ecological sciences, but there have been some, you know, writing and arts and other other folks who utilize the areas as um, as well. And I get assisted by one person, and um, so that's that's what keeps me busy and hmm. pays the bills. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, with uh, a keen interest in prairie, I've been a longtime member of. Local. When I say local, I mean East East Central El- Illinois Conservation Group and Land Trust called the uh, Grand Prairie Friends. Such a wonderful group, and in all aspects, you know, you're doing amazing work. But you certainly have your work cut out for you. But what I love about everything you do is it really does kind of encompass that multiple use, getting people back mm. on the landscape, utilizing the landscape, and trying to understand how to do better by the landscape. Oh yeah, yeah, indeed. I mean, with my job with you with the university, they are restricted access areas to protect teaching and research. But with with Grand, with Grand Prairie Friends, you know that now uh, we own and manage over you know twelve hundred acres in East Central Illinois, including some really high quality prairie remnants and other um, important forested areas. Right, those are open to to the public because you know we feel we feel that's that that's important to give those opportunities to get people out in in, in nature um you know to complement you know the, the parks and forest preserve district areas or you know state-owned or federally owned land you know here's some you know private land trust land that is also open to, to the public you know for 
recreations, hiking, bird watching, scientific opportunities, and we we try to manage manage those areas for the benefit of nature. That's wonderful. And so, what really, if you can even put a finger on it, got you into this line of work? Were you always <laughs> interested in just being outside? being in nature or was it like a plants really brought you there or hunting really brought you there? Like, is there, or was it just all encompassing? Yeah, I grew up, I grew up in rural area of West central Illinois and I grew up in, and yeah, with a family of farmers and outdoorsmen. And, and so, yes, I just, my father liked to spend time outside and, and yes, I, I did grow up and continue to to hunt and fish I like to camp and hike. I was in I was in scouting, and so yes, I developed a a love of nature and a love of of the out outdoors. And it really, I learned trees in in high school, but didn't really learn plants until college. And so <laughs> it really was those it really was those those introductory college courses in plant systematics and and plant plant ecology that re- and and then also some 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 key friends that you know steered me toward my love love of plants. That's fantastic. And it has truly blossomed into something wonderful. And you've done such incredible work for both the university and Grand Prairie Friends themselves. And the properties you manage and work with are fantastic. I can't speak highly enough about them. So, you know, today we're talking uh, about a book that you and your colleague have written together, uh, a wonderful book called A Backyard Prairie, The Hidden Beauty of Tall Grass and Wildflowers. And at the core of this book, before we kind of jump into the subject material itself, is ecological restoration. Mm. And and that's something you obviously have a lot of experience with, both professionally and personally. How did you kind of go down that route? Mm. Well, that's I, I think it was it really was from from the from from the volunteer route. I mean, either when, when I was when I was an undergraduate at the University of Illinois and even as a graduate student at, at the University of Michigan, I saw these opportunities with, you know, with conservation groups, uh, you know, with lo- local agencies to actually l- lend a hand to make it feel like you were doing something good in, in nature mm-hmm. and to, you know, at least here in the Midwest, uh, cut the honeysuckle, pull the garlic mustard, right? You know, that it. Uh, pull the wild parsnip, pull the sweet clover. So, so it, you know, there's an immediate sense of gratification and and accomplishment (laughs) when you're working to control an invasive plant species, at least in the moment. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, And, and so, uh, yeah, so I feel that was my entree into ecological restoration and then also learning about it, you know, in my, in the, in the, in college courses and then taking a look at it on on the on the land as, as well. Yeah, and and one thing I really admire about you and your colleagues is just your ability to read the landscape and that's something that you mm. can read about a million times over uh, in the literature but it comes much better uh, and is much better applied through years and years of experience. And I just, I, I really have my hats off to anyone that can really read the landscape and have the wherewithal to go out and have any semblance of confidence that over the long term you're doing things good for nature, because like you said, it, it's there's immediate gratification, but then when they come back, you can get frustrated and oh right, and, and patience is really a big right. part of this, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, oh my, oh my, yeah, 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 patience. <laughs> I should, I should. I mean, you you mentioned read read the read the landscape. Yeah, it's interesting because I had that I did have that instilled in me 
particularly by one professor, uh, uh, Bert, Bert Barnes, who is a longtime professor of forest ecology at the, at the University of, of Michigan. And his line, he'd like to use a line from the music band called You Gotta Know Your Territory. Hmm. Uh, you know, the, the Broadway musical, the music yeah. band, You Gotta Know the Territory. Of course, in the musical, it was talking about salesmanship. But <laughs> as, as an ecologist, right, what is, what is the territory you, you're, you're in? what what is the landscape and what what shape what shape that landscape you know as far as geology you know climate and then the plants and animals on it there are you know expressions of all, all all those forces and um i was lucky that before i was in my current job i've been in at, i've been the natural areas coordinator for five years but for over 15 years before that i was on a project called the critical trends assessment program at the illinois natural history survey where I was one of the botanists conducting vegetation surveys in forest wetlands and grasslands all around the state of Illinois. So that, at least for Illinois and the Midwest, <laughs> that afforded me a chance, right, to to really be on on the landscape and sort of, uh, you know, apply that knowledge from, from <laughs> those college courses. Yeah, certainly. I mean, this the, the CTAP program you're talking about is such a good crash course in the mm. Illinois landscape. I mean, it is such a great wealth of data generation for natural areas, but also gives anyone working on it a chance to just do transects everywhere. And I mean, sometimes not the most glamorous spots. I, I feel like your experience with Laportia has to leave you scarred for life <laughs> on some level. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you've probably had conversations with, with my colleagues who've been, part, I know you've had conversations with my colleagues who've been part of that project, <laughs> right? Whether it's Laportia or Phragmites or Phalaris or, uh, you know, I don't know, or Moldfloros, you know, or yeah, pick your unpleasant plant to walk through <laughs> even some days even 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 lyrcia right rice right rice cut grass that oh, yeah. um yeah yeah that's it's not not very fun but <laughs> yes but <laughs> so let's talk about the book a backyard prairie right. i i'm really excited about this because even just in the title you're getting a hint of something that's not ungraspable or undoable by the average reader someone picking up this book might have a situation where this book could actually help them it's of course we should be doing restoration on a large scale but we should also think about what's going on in our own yards on our own properties and is that kind of what spurred this book on in the first place for you guys Yes, ab 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 absolutely, and and I um I'm I must give a lot of uh, you know much of the credit for the impetus of this book to my co-author Fred Del Coleman. First off, a backyard prairie. Well, not just a. It's it's his it's his backyard <laughs> prairie on uh, a property that where he and his wife live. It's about five acres. They have their house there. There's some there's some trees, but then there is also about three acres that when they you know, moved in 20 some years ago was part of the larger ag field right next mm. to it, corn and soybeans. They didn't want, Fred was a professor in, of biology in the entomology department. He's like, I, we, I don't want this corn and soybeans right here to look out my windows. So they said, oh, well, what about, what about prairie? And so then that's when they embarked on the, on this project. I, I wasn't in a, on the, the, the ground floor or the, the very start of it. He actually, um, received some some assistance from the Illinois Department of Natural Resources and their Acres for Wildlife program. Particularly, you know, he picked out the species and purchased the seed and, you know, planned 
where it was going to be planted and planned where its paths were going to be. But then also the, the Department of Natural Resources provided some personnel and, and equipment to actually get the, get the seed in the ground. And um, well, I guess I'll answer your question more directly before I get into the weeds, the, going that, completely going down that path. You're asking right, it, the impetus for the, for the book. So, so Fred started on this project and, and then over the years, as the prairie has grown and flourished and birds and bugs have come back and, you know, plants have, have, have bloomed, he immensely enjoyed taking pictures of everything and has an, a, a catalog of thousands of photographs for over the years from his backyard prairie. And he had visitors that would, would, would remark and compliment him on this, you know, this it's, you know, it's three acres. So it's, you know, it's not a landscape, but it's bigger than, bigger than, 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 a, than a garden. Right. And he said, well, why, why don't I, you know, tell the story about, about this and he came to me for some of the the, the technical expertise regarding pl- plants and plant ecology and prairie restoration. So I, I I was able to you know to lend some of my my knowledge to the book in 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 that way. Well, that's an excellent combination because you get the like you said the sort of ground up level of someone that mm. just wanted to do this and and the trials and tribulations because this is not easy work. Uh, which is as part of why this book is written, but also the technical expertise of someone like a botanist that's, you know, trained in this and understands the science behind it. But what strikes me the most and is most exciting too is the fact that this was started from what was corn and soy, industrial oh. agriculture, and and thinking about the uphill battle one has going from you know a forested landscape or a degraded landscape that still has natural communities on it. That's one set of struggles. It's an entirely different set of struggle to be working from pretty much nothing. Uh, you know, the, that's what wiped out the prairies to begin with. So how do you get it back from that? <laughs> right, right. And, and that, yeah, with um, especially Illinois, the prairie state was roughly 60% prairie. This, you know, this native grassland, this amazing ecosystem of really hundreds of species of, of wildflowers and grasses and, and the, the diverse wildlife to, to go along with it, you know, over the past 200 years has gone from most of the state to um, less than one-tenth of one, you know, one percent of high-quality prairie left in the, mm. in the state, state of Illinois. And though the, the soil and the rolling landscape and the sky the, of the prairie is still there, it's just that those pieces, those vital pieces of that grassland ecosystem are, are, are gone. And then some people will say, oh, well, if you just stop plowing it or planting corn or soybeans, won't prairie spring back? Well, no, mm. <laughs> there will be, yes, there will be plants come back, but, but not, not what uh, we would consider the suite of, of prairie plants and, and, you know, planting a prairie, reconstructing a prairie will, will, will never get it perfect, but setting a goals for, for any project is, is really important. And so Fred and his wife did set some goals. They, they mm-hmm. wanted, they, they wanted to see, you know, diversity of, of beautiful flowers. They sort of held back on some of the tall grasses cause they didn't, they didn't necessarily want it too tall, you know, but they wanted to provide some diversity, but then also not, you know, break the bank and in, in spending uh, money on seeds. So there's, you know, there's, uh, you know, 40 or 50 some species in there when, you know, compared to Loda Prairie at about three acres where you can get over a hundred wow. plant species, you know, in such a small area but is it is providing beauty and a little bit of wildlife habitat 
and you know some of that space for 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 pollinators and 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 other other insects. So no, right. So there ha- right. It we have to be deliberate with selecting the seeds. You know, plant planting, and then also also managing for species you want to be there and you want to thrive. And there are some plant species, you know, say like uh, Circea marvensi, creeping thistle or Canada thistle, which was a little bit of a problem there. Mm. And um, you know, he had an he kind of did battle with with tall ragweed, which interesting, right? Tall yeah. ragweed is is a native species, but you know, in a wet wet end of the prairie, it was a little bit more than 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 he, he wanted. <laughs> you know, but with with some some time, some a little bit a little bit of pulling and cutting and some chemical management. So, you know, some spot treating with with herbicide. You know, he has some of the unwanted spe- plant species under under control and fire too. Yes, <laughs> always fire. <laughs> right, yes. right, right. Yeah. Now and and again, this is great because it is so realistic, right? And and you know, you you hear a lot of arguments. Well, let's let nature take its course. As you said, there's so much disturbance; it's so not what it once was that letting nature take its course is just going to turn it into like a lot of undesirables. But also, sure. the limitations of of what they were up against. You have mm. only so much room to work with. You have. Uh, you know, bills to pay that you can't spend all of that money on seeds. These are real world limitations that any person, no matter what size landscape they're working with here has to face and has to kind of come up against. And it does kind of lend to this idea that like, there's no single best way to do this per se, or the single suite of species that you have to have here. It's kind of that balance of like, okay, let's set realistic goals and just try to hit those. Yeah, exactly, and that and that is uh, that that is a challenge, you know. And I I collaborate with some colleagues in the Fish Wildlife Service and other agencies in a project called the Prairie Reconstruction Initiative, hmm. where that's part of the goal is try to try to share knowledge, right? Because the desire is great to reconstruct and and restore, particularly prairie. But there's always limitations of of resources, whether that's time, equipment, money, um, seed. So how do we do it best and meet meet objectives, right? Whether those objectives are habitat for, you know, rusty patch bumblebee or for bobolinks or, you know, I'm going to restore 100 species of flowering plants over the course of the growing season, you know, or I'm going to store carbon or, or restore hydrology right i mean there's all, all these all these goals but right and we're the the art and science continues to evolve and we have to you know communicate there there are some you know there are some some principles that people have found out but but not but nothing's nothing's perfect and the book that that fred and i you know put together is is not a how how to book we right we didn't set out to be a how there are other how to books but we didn't set it out to be a how-to book. We set it out as like, here's the beauty of this prairie, and we think you can do it too, you know, because we feel it's so important to restore na- native plants to to our to our home landscapes. And so here, let's let's celebrate, let's celebrate the prairie, let's celebrate this, you know, th- this project, and encourage encourage others. Yeah, I mean, the beautiful thing about not making it prescriptive is it can still inspire no matter what ecosystem you're embedded in. I mean, if people want to restore their backyard to the forest that was logged out to make that plot of land, you know, it's 
it's encouraging to hear these stories in a way that's practical. You hear the struggles, you hear the the gains. And and one of the running themes throughout this and and the reason I like gardening with native plants so much is that wildlife component. And I'm consistently blown away by how even the littlest addition of native plants brings in insect diversity and and other forms of wildlife birds especially and and that's a common theme throughout this book is this 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 benefit that you were able to observe of interesting animal interactions that show up and what's great too is you kind of have a baseline without having to collect any of the data before it was corn and soy we kind of know there's not much there for wildlife and then you get to benefit and see all of the the return uh in in real time i guess yeah, yeah, and this and it is qualitative, right? You, you and I are both scientists, so we, we, we all love quant, we all love our quantitative data. We don't really need to do that in, in the in, right. in the in the backyard because I can see what has has changed. And Fred has photographs, you know, and has record, right, of of what's there and what's what showed up. You know, also I think you know since Fred likes to take close up pictures of flowers and insects and you know because that's really what was a, a lot of what's a, what's available there in the backyard it it also maybe will help people stop and 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 look and observe and enjoy even the small mm. right and to, to notice the, the details that's what i i think that's part of big part of of science is yeah. no noticing noticing the details and do, doing science and particularly in in ecology is is uh you know what's what's there, and taking taking time to stop and look and and be in awe of all of of nature. Right, right, and and the 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 sense of awe is really important with books like this because yeah, like you said, we're scientists, we're reading the literature, we understand the impacts, you can see the data, and the data really do speak for themselves, but. Not necessarily the most inspirational writing or take on the well, subject like this. Right, Granted, right. I enjoy a good, good, <laughs> well-researched paper, but indeed, indeed, books like this really do give a demonstration of all of these ideas that people are talking about, whether that's scientific or colloquially. But again, it's it's someone actually observing it, actually documenting it for themselves in a way that's very approachable. Oh yeah, yeah, right, and 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 yeah, we we you know we hope to in, inspire those those who get a chance to to pick up and and read um, a backyard prairie. Yeah, and so the, one of the main themes here, and I kind of hinted at it earlier on in the conversation, is patience, mm. and and that's kind mm. of a failing I think of a lot of sort of the landscape mentality of American gardening these days is the instant gratification. I want big plants. I want a landscape that looks really good by tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But the key message, one of the key messages, I should say, that you both really drive home through this is the need for patience. And I think that's something we could all really afford to work on, regardless of what we're doing. But when it comes to restoring an ecosystem on any level, patience is truly a virtue. Right, right. It's super helpful to have some some understanding, uh, especially of the plants, because really that, I mean, the, the plants and plant structure, the vegetation is what we're you know, we're putting seeds in the ground and really that's, that's the, at least the main part, main part of the ecosystem we can manage and manage and manipulate and, you know, in some way. So, so it's really helpful to have a knowledge of, of, you know, some of the life history and that natural history and, and what to expect or, or not, not to expect when, when growing and embark, embarking on a project like, like this. And so, 
an important piece of knowledge with prairie plants that, okay, here they are, they're mostly herbaceous perennials, right? They're going to, they're, they're putting down deep, deep roots. They're growing during the summer months. And then, you know, when the, when fall and winter comes, the tops die back and then they regrow. And so, so we don't get that sense of like a a tree, Mm. right. That's, that's big and slow growing. And we can, we can sort of see it slow, slowly grow. What I think of sometimes think of some of these prairie plants as at least in a context of, 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 of like, like trees, different growth form, different life histories, but and that they're going to be, you know, putting down the, those deep roots in into the soil for the long term. And so, what we want as as humans, right? If we're gonna, we, we're like, oh, we we want to see that flower right away, or we want it, we want to see that tall grass. But knowing that that oh, the compass plant or or prairie dock might take five or six years or more of growth before we see any any sort of a flower on on that mm. species and the, and you know there's 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 plenty of others so so yeah that that patience is definitely <laughs> definitely <laughs> needed and even and as the plants grow and and fill in and and figure out where they are and where they where they want want to be there's even going to be changes from from year year to year you know what's you know, what's the rainfall? What, what are the dry periods? You know, did that, did that section get, get burned Mm. or, or not? And so even, you know, so there's patience, but then there's also, I think there's also joy and and surprise and seeing what's, oh, what's coming next as it, as it's changing through time. Certainly. Cause it's not like start, and then everything's doing it at the same pace, right? And so, right. you know, one of the other gratifying things is that growing appreciation for plants as organisms. And we tend to think of trees as sort of these ancient old things mm. that can live for very long times. But doing any sort of work with prairie plants, especially the perennial side of things, you realize that like, mm-hmm. oh, so too can these herbaceous species. And I think everyone would gain and we'd be better off if they appreciated the, the mm. ancientness of some of these other ecosystems too because it's easy to write them off because they're not a gallery forest with giant mm-hmm. trees right 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 i mean we can quote unquote hug a tree it's sort of hard to uh hug you know big blue stem <laughs> or you know or indian grass or yeah. or one one of these one of these the these these silphiums we're not even you right there there's a there's a a, a lot of uh, botanists that not not even not even sure how long some of these species live you know uh john weaver in nebraska he did he dug up a, a you know a, a lot of these and looked at the extensive root systems and kelly kinsher out out in kansas has excavated some of these prairie plant species too, and 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 other folks, and so we know that we have these these deep extensive root systems, but then some it's 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 hard to track, right? Or folks haven't taken the time, or <laughs> I'm guessing that's a project that's not going to be very well funded. About <laughs> how long? How long? How long does lead plant live? Right? You know. <laughs> so so we have to gain this appreciation in other 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 ways, you know, to try to you know convey. That that yes, there is there is there is grandness to the prairie and, and and to prairie plants, and it's tough for folks in folks in Illinois since most of the prairie is is not here, and it's hard, you know, then to to give people sense 
you know, unless you walk out there yourself at a, at say a remnant like Loda Cemetery Prairie, you know, nature preserve in, in the, in East central Illinois, and actually, you know, out there with somebody, you know, looking at it, telling them about the plants. So we just have to have to try to, you know, convey it in, in other ways or encourage them to say, oh yes, you can order these plants or buy these seeds or, you know, find find a local group that is that is uh, raising and you know and and selling selling native plants. Talk to those folks. You know, when I've written and, and talked about native plants and gardening with native plants with with different individuals and you know and groups, uh, I'm, I'm like, you don't have to rip out everything that you have. You just have to. How can how can you better work in these native plants? And then you're maybe you're you'll you'll switch over, especially if you know, that water hungry lawn dies in the summer drought, or, you know, you have something that doesn't, doesn't do well as, as our climate changes and, you know, oh, hey, why don't, why don't you take a look at these native plants that are, you know, hardier and more well adapted and provide some uh, pollen and nectars to some of our local pollinators. Totally. And they look beautiful in the process. What's, what more do you ask for? (laughs) So, right, right, right. Jamie, with that in mind, I know you're short on time tonight, but where can people pick up a copy of this book if they would like to get it? Oh, yes. Yeah. So, A Backyard Prairie by Fred Del Coman and and James Ellis. That's that's official, right? I um uh, <laughs> uh I am I am Jamie. Um so folks can go to the Southern Illinois University Press website and find it there and also on amazon.com so if you're shopping on 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 the internet there's a couple places that you can readily um, find a backyard prairie wonderful and i will save everyone the trouble and put up links so they can find it right through the show notes (laughs) in this episode but thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us about us thank you for both to you uh and fred for writing this book and for putting a you know a at home perspective to these really important topics. And I think, you know, everyone would benefit from putting at least some native plants, but maybe turning a little bit of that lawn into a prairie or back into a shrubland or forest. So thank you again. I really appreciate it. Well, Matt, thank thank you very much for for the invitation. And I always enjoy talking about prairie and native plants. So thank thank you. Well, they truly have a friend in you. So thank you again. And of course, uh, hang in there and stay healthy. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. All right. That wraps up another fantastic conversation. I thank Jamie for taking time out of his busy schedule to talk with us. And I highly recommend you go check out a backyard prairie, the hidden beauty of tall grass and wildflowers. I will add a link in the show notes for this episode so you can pick it up as either a hard copy or as an ebook. I can't sing the praises of people like Jamie enough. He is the person that gave me my first experiences with prescribed burns And he is such a wonderful teacher and a lover, a true lover of nature. So once again, that book is called A Backyard Prairie, The Hidden Beauty of Tall Grass and Wildflowers. But that is it for this week. Of course, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. I hope you're enjoying this. If you want to support the show and give it a future, please consider becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash plants, where you can get some great kickbacks. You can also pick up merch as well as a copy of my book, In Defense of Plants, An Exploration into the Wonder of Plants. And that is available wherever books are sold, but I will put all the relevant links, as always, in the show notes over at indefenseofplants.com. But that is it for me this week. 
Until next time, hang in there, stay healthy, and get outside if you can. This is your host, Matt, signing out. Adios, everyone.